welcome to the very first Splitting Cases episode of 2015. It is now the future. Indeed it is. And let's put it this way. We usually do this podcast, Splitting a Case of Beer. But today we're at the Stag and Hunter Hotel. And we're not splitting a case of beer. What are we splitting? It's called a beer tower. It's like a keg, like a mini keg that sits on your table mixed with a science lab. So it's like a big beaker full of beer, bigger than my head. Like we couldn't fit it all in the photo. We had to lean right back. It was quite impressive. And I'm interested to see how this podcast is going to go as we get through this tower. I just love that we don't, you know, it's, it's, it's got like a big thing full of ice through the middle of the tube. So you kind of don't need to go and get beers from the fridge. You just pour them from your very own tap. That's awesome seems to be a fairly decadent way of spending New Year's Day, but um, hey, it should be good. Well, uh, I, I know we were going to start with a few different things, but I mean, this episode is about the best of 2014, and we both had a pretty decadent New Year's Day last year as well. Yeah, we sure did, uh, and I think we might have mentioned this on one of the previous podcasts, uh, perhaps the Stonefield Dan Sultan one, where yeah. we spent New Year's Day at the the Vic Park Hotel in Enmore, yeah. uh, seeing our favourite band, UMI, play. Mm-hmm. It was awesome, man. They had some great support acts and some Brew MI on tap. And, yeah, it was a pretty decadent way also. So we couldn't be down in Sydney today. I think... Um, Mess Hall. Mess Hall. Isn't, is Davey Lane playing today? Uh, I think Davey played last night. Maybe. I'm not sure, but it was a pretty great gig there this week. Well, this, there's a pretty great gig there today, but uh, there was no way we could get down there. So we're just sufficing with, you know, an awesome beer tower. So, where do you want to start with this best of episode? Well, okay, so it's best of 2014, so we, we want to cover everything we can. So, like, albums and gigs and music and movies and TV and books and random shit that happened during the year that you think, you know, is, is worthy of a mention and worthy of... You know, we both picked 50, so it's our top 100 of 2014. Maybe we could start with movies? Sure, and movies is probably not the best topic for me because I making this list it really stood out to me that I'm uncultured and don't actually see enough film uncultured swine certainly is that way because when I've looked at my list it's all pretty much exclusively comic book movies (laughs) that doesn't surprise me Uh, how about you get us started my favourite movie of 2014, hands down, by far, no question, Muppets Most Wanted. So, I've not seen it. It is... Is Gervais in it? Gervais is in it. Um, he is uh, He's the villain, really, in it, apart from the other main villain, which is like a Kermit-esque guy named Constantine, well, a Kermit-esque frog, but it is easily the tightest written comedy, the best music in it. It's just so amazingly done. It's probably, for me, the best Muppets movie ever made. My number one movie of the year, and I, I think by a fair amount, has got to be Captain America 2. Captain America 2. I, knew, I, I watched it on your recommendation because you found it better than Captain America 1, and I agree. Yeah, it's probably the best Marvel movie of the second phase. Um, it's yeah, it's just got everything. It's got like the right amount of humor, right amount of action, right amount of world building, and just, then they I guess built on that movie with um, the TV show Agents of Shield, and that really sort of picked that show up because it 
had a pretty rocky start. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I really like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles new reboot movie. Everyone else kind of shat on it, and I think that you're never really going to be able to recreate someone's childhood, but I think Nickelodeon, the company buying the rights to uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, means that they've been able to do a lot with it, so they've produced this movie, which is visually awesome, and, you know, mostly straight into the point of the characters and the story, and it's just, uh, you know, they're... Nickelodeon are now catering to the older fans and releasing all the classic toys they grew up with in classic form, which I've maybe bought a couple of. I did hear that the one of the scripts for that movie, because it's a Michael Bay movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, like at one point the turtles were going to be aliens and there was a bit of uproar. I heard that too, but I also think that's a bit of misdirection because it really, really didn't hold much weight afterwards and it was never talked about again, you know. I really don't think that that could have been a thing or was a thing. It's just, yeah, publicity. Okay, well, my number two would probably be Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. It's, I thought Cap was slightly better, but uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was a pretty fun movie and has got me really psyched for Star Wars next year. But we'll get onto that later. That's a whole different subject. My next movie on the list is God Help the Girl. It's a musical written by... Oh, what's the fella from Bell and Sebastian? Is it Stuart Murdoch? McLeod? Moo? Colic? Something Moose. like that. Anyway, yeah, maybe Moose. Maybe Moose. But, um, yeah, the guy from Bell and Sebastian wrote a musical um, starring fairly, you know, not, not huge stars or anything like that, just pasty-white English people. One of them was in Game of Thrones, one of them was in Sucker Punch. Oh, tell me about this now. Yeah, and I stumbled across it because Nothing Cutesy was looking for a, a, like, a light-hearted musical, and this really wasn't a light-hearted musical because it was about, you know, a girl with an eating disorder who has some psychological problems, but, you know, it, it was brilliant. God Help the Girl is just full of amazing music, and it's, if you like your musicals very indie and pasty-white, that's the one to go for. If you like Belle and Sebastian, you'll, you'll love it. So next year we'll do a top five pasty white musicals yeah. list. Okay. There's, there's a lot of them. I'm not sure there is. There is. What else is on your list? Um, well, I only could come up with about five movies that I've actually seen this year. <laughs> so the only one I really have on there that I would say is a decent flick is um, X-Men, Days of Future Past. Yeah, that was good. Which was a, a good movie. Um, definitely better than X-Men 3 definitely better than no actually maybe not so much better than the last one like first class i thought that was quite a good movie as well i thought they were both but yeah x-men 3 you liked yeah it was enjoyable yeah it was enjoyable i wasn't down with that one okay but yeah like days of future past was really good and i guess it's fairly ambitious undertaking for like a kids movie essentially like this i i i can't see x-men as a kids movie well, I mean, I guess it is. I mean, I think Spider-Man is. Well, Spider-Man is on my list, so I guess we could just skip straight to that, really. <laughs> no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, controversial, but yeah, most of the characters in X-Men are much older. It's just that little bit more violent, a little bit more complex storyline. Well, I don't know. Like, the point of the reboot was, like, first class, so they were sort of finding their ground. They're quite young. Yeah. And whereas this movie, I guess they um, tried to get the best of both worlds to some extent and yes. bringing back the old cast to mesh with the new mm -hmm. and so I guess it'll 
be a new story going forward. I think the next one's going to have Apocalypse in it. Mm. So that should be good. Yeah. You want to skip straight to Spider-Man? Well, I can't say I really enjoyed Spider-Man. So why is it on your list? Because I hadn't seen enough movies, so I had to, like, make it up. So there were some good things about it. I mean, I think the action scenes were filmed well. Um, I think Andrew Garfield's a, a good Spider-Man. Like, he plays that role really well. Yeah. But I just don't think they gave him a lot to do. Um, and it all seemed rather rushed. And Who's the lady in that again? Is it Emma Stone? Stone. Emma Stone, yeah. She's great. Yeah, yeah. Like, they have good actors in the movie. Yeah. They just seem to not do well with script. Yeah. I think they're trying too hard to distance themselves from the Sam Raimi directed movies but in that it's but, very hodgepodge yeah like I, I feel they haven't quite hit hit the mark yet yeah yeah well speaking speaking of Emma Stone uh, another one that I've got on my list for best movies of the year for me is Magic in the Moonlight which is the latest Woody Allen movie starring Emma Stone and Colin Firth and it's very much based around Emma Stone being a fortune teller and Colin Firth being a famous magician who's called in to, you know, secretly try and debunk her and disprove her. With all the stuff that's gone on with Woody Allen and the child abuse of his daughter and all that kind of stuff in the last year, it's hard to, you know, stand behind his work. But I think at times, like, unless something's been proven, have to take a step back and go, actually, that's an awesome movie with Emma Stone and Colin Firth and just not think about the rest of it. Yeah, I guess that's a tricky situation. You never really know what's true and what's not true. I don't know. I think I'm going to stay away from Woody Allen, though. Like, I'm, not, I'm not making a judgment call. I just saw it because it was an Emma Stone movie, and it was really good. Yeah, it's it's, it's murky territory. It's murky territory. Um, also along the lines of that was the new Wes Anderson movie this year, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel which was awesome, just so beautifully visually designed. Just running through the other couple on my list as well, I took my nephew to see the Lego movie, and it was excellent. It was done really well, just fucking excellently visually designed. Characters were really cool. I think it was, uh, you know, they knew they had an uphill battle selling a movie that's essentially product placement, but it was done so well. I don't know, they've done well with Transformers and... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Spider-Man, and Avengers. I don't know. It's uh, it's all, to some extent, some sort of toy commercial. <laughs> True. And uh, the other movie that I only watched about a month ago was a zombie movie called Life After Beth, about a guy whose girlfriend dies, and then he visits her parents to, you know, grieve, and uh, a couple weeks later sees her walking past the window of the house, and um, turns out she's come back to life. People in the town start coming back to life, but he has to make that hard decision of, you know, she's back and I get the second chance with her and I love her but she's starting to become more and more and more of a zombie and doing terrible things so I really loved it it was Aubrey Aubrey Plaza is it from from Community or Parks and Rec I don't know she's from Scott Pilgrim but it was great and finally uh, also I know it came out last year Frozen but the Frozen sing-along screenings that happened all year this year was very cool I loved going and taking the nieces and nephews to see Frozen and singing along I, I did almost watch Frozen almost yeah we got through, what, probably half of it at your place on Boxing Day? Yeah, I'd say that was about half. Yeah. It seems all right, I guess. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you're at Target Market. No, I don't think so. No. No. My five-year-old niece is nuts about it, though. <laughs> the last movie I had on my list is not one of my favourite movies per se, but I really enjoyed it at the time. Um, Godzilla. Godzilla. 
And the reason why I think I probably enjoyed it at the time is I was flying from Fiji to America, to LA specifically, and it had some uh, sleeping tablets and a couple of Everything drinks. was a big monster to you. Yeah, and a couple of drinks, and it was just relaxing, and it was the right kind of film for that for that headspace. Yeah, very much so. I enjoyed that movie, I was, and funnily enough, I watched it when I was very tired and nothing kids, he wasn't home. Yeah, it's just like a, a fun movie and, you know, people try and make things seem more grandiose than what they need to be. And it's like, yeah. no, no, it's just a fun movie. Just forget about the rest. Just enjoy it. Exactly. All right, well, we'll move on from movies. And look, we've both got a lot of albums we've loved. but And a lot of the time, like, we love songs that are on albums that are in our top albums. But are there any standout songs from... 2014 that you would classify as you know that's not in your albums list just songs uh yeah there's there's a couple there's a bit of overlap one of the songs that i really enjoyed this year was too late for love by baba ganoush um yeah. who i think are a, a brisbane band yeah they are yeah and they've got sort of a smudged lemonheads type vibe to them yeah and yeah really dug that track sort of it caught me by surprise a little bit like you know how sometimes you just check out new stuff and, I don't yeah. know, it was just not what I was expecting, but I was, yeah, very pleasantly surprised. What else? Um, ballpark Music. Yeah. She Only Loves Me When I'm There. Yeah, I like that song. I kind of feel that, like, Ballpark Music is just a fun band that kind of... But fun sells them short, you know? They're they're incredibly tight, oh, no, no. great I, pop I band. Mean, like, it's like a party, a well-structured party. And there's like seriousness, but there's fun to it, and yeah, I, I think they're kind of underrated a little bit. Um, they're sort of like, I don't know why they sort of remind me of Weezer a little bit. If Weezer were a, yeah. a bit more, I don't know, a bit more ballpark music. Oh look, I think that if they were a band that were around in the mid '90s, they would have huge hits, like actually charting singles. But that kind of music just isn't in you know at the moment but they're still great I love them cool uh, what else do I have here um, Jen Clower Jen Clower and Tim Rogers yeah Stone Age Brain that's off um, I think it's like on the Milk Records compilation that came out mm. this year um, which also had Pickles in the Jar on it well that's actually on my list I think Pickles in the Jar by Courtney Barnett uh, was one of the standout single songs of the year I totally agree. It's not on my list, but only because I saw that you had it on yours, so yeah. I thought I'd pass it up. This might be a spoiler for the album list, but one of the the songs that really grabbed me this year was Monsoon by Infinity Broke. Yeah. Um, it's like a fairly long track, but it's, I don't know, it just rem- reminds me of some sort of like fevered dream. I, I don't know. I'll, we'll put a playlist together of this and send it out with the episode. Um, and we'll try and like group up all these songs so you can check it out. But yeah, I highly recommend that song. And lastly, I've got the Cloud Nothings. I'm not a part of me. I haven't heard that song. Yeah, again, sort of surprised me a little bit. Bit of a throwback, I guess, to the 90s to some extent. That's awesome. I only have, apart from Pickles in the Jar, two other standout songs from the year for me. And it's going to be Nicki Minaj, isn't it? One of them? Yeah. Did you see my... You saw no, my list. I did not. Surely you saw my list. I did not see that on your list. Well, you know me no. very well. My anaconda don't... My anaconda don't no, want none unless you got buns, hon. And I could see you including that on the list. Oh, easily. Anaconda by Nicki Minaj is one of the best pop songs of the year. It's just... It samples Baby Got Back and it's just obnoxious and awesome 
and when she's just laughing like she's off her head at the end of it and she's I don't I don't even want to say what she says because Pointy's niece might listen to this but <clears throat> Nicki Minaj Anaconda great job great film clip too and the other one though which is more um, kid friendly and well general everyone friendly is Shake It Off by Taylor Swift <laughs> I think that is one of the standout pop songs of the year, if not the standout pop song of the year. But I love Shake It Off. I think that's an awesome song. Yeah, have not heard it. What? I mean, I'm happy to hear it. To what? What this? Uh, what all the hullabaloo's about? Uh, I'll make you a playlist. Okay, sure. We're gonna have a lot of albums to discuss, so let's skip forward albums because we've done movies we've done music in terms of songs so let's go through to TV like best TV series as shows of the year okay cool well not surprisingly um, based on what my movies were there is definitely some comic book um, stuff in here for me uh, so first off is Arrow and The Flash so Arrow this year was probably didn't quite reach um, the highs of season 2 uh, but still still quite good and it's still going left on a pretty massive cliffhanger like literally have you seen it I haven't seen it no do you should I do spoilers mm, like are you going to watch I'm it? going to watch it at some point but not right now so go ahead okay so basically the ep- the final episode ends with the arrow fighting Raz al Ghul <gasps> and it pretty much ends with the arrow getting killed and pushed off a cliff is what you're led to believe I mean I'm assuming he's not dead because then they won't have a TV series anymore but that's how the episode ends which is pretty pretty brutal I guess yeah Um, it's pretty brutal but also The Flash started this year as well yeah I don't know what I thought about The Flash I I think The Flash is good it's kind of given the character it's a lot more light hearted than Arrow but I, I think they're doing some good stuff, and it's um, only early, and I think it's going to get better. And they have Mark Hamill that's going to be on it soon. Really? Yep. Because Mark Hamill was in the um, original Flash TV series. Um, he was one of the villains. I think he was... Was he the clock guy? No, no, he wasn't. The trickster. I didn't see the original Flash series. Yeah, I remember watching it, um, funnily enough, just down the road here at my nan's place. Yeah, he was a trickster, I think. Yeah, so he's returning. I don't know in that role or in another role, but that, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. What do you got? What have I got? Um, oh, look, I've been a big fan of the newsroom for the first two seasons, and um, they've just released and finished the third season and final season. It's an Aaron Sorkin show, and it's based around like a CNN kind of newsroom that battles between doing great 
actual news broadcasts and get, getting ratings and all the emotional dramas that come within that and the people and the characters. I just think it's incredibly well written and awesome and I'm going through a bit of a rough time with cuts to my media organisation at the moment and it's, it, I don't know, watching season three, it just felt somewhat comforting. It was very good. I did try to, to watch it um, and it's one of those shows where I know that I'm going to like it when I get the chance to watch yeah. it. It's much like um, Sons of Anarchy for me. Like, I have not watched Nor have I. But, like, I know that once I do watch it, I'll be into it. Yeah. But, yeah, the newsroom kind of um, reminded me a little bit of the... Like, I haven't watched the newsroom, but I did watch um, Sports Night. Oh, I never watched Sports Night. Um, it's it's also an Aaron Sorkin um, deal, and it also stars... Um, Peter Krauss that's in like Six Feet Under yeah. and Parenthood and yeah. that was quite good I think it's probably I know 10 years old or, or thereabouts hmm. um, I need to watch that um, also on my list for the year is uh, the new Doctor Who Peter Capaldi an older doctor a grumpy doctor and that first his first season with um with Clara really gave Clara room to grow as a character and really proved that she wasn't just, you know, a one-dimensional companion. And I think some of the episodes were some of this whole new series best, you know, since the reboot. Some of the episodes in the series were amazing. Yeah, I think the last um, season of uh, Matt Smith got a little bit um, preoccupied with the overarching narrative to sort of to the, I don't know... That's sort of the some of the the last season with Matt Smith got a bit muddled, I think, in the overall narrative and the individual episodes sometimes suffered. Yeah. Um, but I really think that yeah, the all the Capaldi stuff, the individual episodes work well, but they also work well as part of a overall arc. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, great performance, and yeah, I. I don't know where I would rank him yet. I think we need a bit more time. But so far, like, stellar job. He's turning out to be one of my favourites since the reboot, you know, since Eccleston. He's, I don't know, I'm cautious to say he's my favourite, depending on where he goes, but he's right up there. Yeah, like, totally. But they haven't had anyone bad, really. No, no, not at all. Consistently are delivering, so... All right, what else is on your list? Um, Please Like Me. Yeah. Uh, series um, starring and written by Josh Thomas. Yeah. Um, just, I don't know, fantastic. I've watched well, a few episodes. It's really well put together, hilarious, clever. Um, I could use more adjectives, but I think that gets the point across. Like, it's just hilarious. Check it out. Yeah. Okay. And in the sitcom sort of half-hour format, but more to the animated side... Uh, I watched the, well, I don't know if there's any more, more coming, but I watched the uh, show Bojack Horseman, and it stars, um, oh, what's Job from Arrested Development's name? Will Arnett? Yeah, it stars Will on, what a minute. It stars Will Arnett as a 90s washed-up sitcom star from a show called Horsin' Around. The gimmick is that he is an actual horse um, living off the royalties from that show, and trying to, you know, maintain some kind of a career or celebrity status while being, you know, out of his mind and getting a biography written on him. And it was just an excellently written, excellently casted show. Bojack Horseman, you need to check it out. Yeah, I saw, um, actually I was recommended that show by 
Dylan's girlfriend, Erin. Um, Dylan's been on the show before. Um, and yeah, they, they both recommended it fairly highly. And I did see the billboards for it when I was in LA. It's like a Netflix series, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last week tonight with John Oliver. Yeah. So um, I guess most people would know John Oliver, I guess, from segments on um, John Stewart's show or also uh, from Community. But he's got his own show now, and I think there's been roughly 20 episodes or so thus far. It's on. Is that ha- the one Barack Obama was on recently? Um, I don't know. Is that John Stewart? I, I didn't see the John Oliver one. I think I've seen all the episodes. Uh, Barack Obama was on something lately. Hmm. I'm sure he's on a lot of things. I mean, he's got the opportunity to be. I don't know, but I've seen a few episodes of John Oliver, and it's really good. It's really really good um and it sort of takes its time a lot more likes to sort of like longer sketches longer segments and like you can really tell they do a lot of research into what they're putting in good viewpoints so that sort of right mix of you know shining the spotlight where it needs to be but also not taking itself too seriously like i feel like that's a good way for people to learn like you're not forcing someone to watch something um, that's dry and about policies or politics but it's yeah drawing attention to some of the things that people might not have bothered to look in otherwise mm, I like it yeah what else you got You know, I'm not one of those people who really goes nuts for Game of Thrones, but I do enjoy it, and I think this year is one of its strongest seasons, purely in the, uh, oh god, spoilers if you haven't watched the new the new season, the latest season of Game of Thrones, but, you know, the death of Joffrey. Uh, Has there ever been a more, like, enjoyable death on TV? Oh, like- I doubt it, because it was just so amazing, and you, like pictured all the ways he could die because he was such a cruel person and I don't know did the death live up to that for you um yeah I think so like you one of those things where you wanted him to suffer but also be brought down a notch and that certainly happened Mm, Tyrion shooting his dad on the toilet with an arrow oh yeah that was good and um oh the fella who was um fighting for Tyrion's freedom getting his eyes popped out with the guys with the big guy's fingers like just squished his head in yeah so the character is the Red Viper I, th- I think yeah, I don't remember but it was a long time ago now but yeah like I'm a bit ahead of the show because uh, like I've read up to the final book that's out now yeah and but they're certainly progressing the narrative a lot quicker than, yeah. than in the books, so like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's ahead of the books very soon, or by the end of the next season. Mm. And just quickly, the last thing on my list, apart from the new series of Bob's Burgers this year, or apart from the new series of Bob's Burgers, which is one of its strongest in general, but it's just a consistently good show, uh, is the Foo Fighters show, TV show Sonic Highways, where they did eight episodes and recorded one track 
each track from their album in a different city and explored the musical history and heritage of that city. So it sort of expanded on Dave Grohl's Sound City documentary about the one studio and just took that to eight studios around the country and eight cities around America and just explored the musical history of it, which I found really, really interesting. And I think that because it's Dave Grohl doing it, he got access and kind of really good stuff from a lot of different people. Yeah, I haven't watched the whole series yet, um, but I did watch the first episode, um, which I think was on Chicago, and that was really good. I was surprised there was no talk about Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. Um, or or even... Were Jane's Addiction from Chicago? Uh, not sure. I would think LA, but... Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like I was surprised there was nothing about the pumpkins. Mm. But, I mean, apart from that, I really enjoyed it. The Steve Albini stuff was pretty cool very much um and also you know hearing the song they recorded in a little clip at the end of each episode was very cool yeah i really struggled to get the ability to to watch that show because chloe because mrs pointy is not a foo fighters slash dave girl fan so i really had to pester her so that we could watch that Um, but she actually did enjoy it so at least watching the rest of the season is is hopeful only other one I'd just mention is It's a Date, um, yeah. which is a show by Peter Hellier, and I guess the concept is, you know, each episode is a different group of characters, but, you know, there's couples going on their first date and, you know, the trials and tribulations of that. So I think that sort of show, like, that sort of premise really sets you up to go to different places and just have, like creative standalone scripts each episode and you use a lot of different Australian talent as well which is cool yeah it's really good like you can see really you know giving other people an opportunity to be exposed yeah and also paired paired with that on the ABC on the Wednesday or Thursday night today I think it's Thursday anyway paired with that uh, is also Upper Middle Bogan the season 2 which is out this year I think that's an incredibly well written show and I have a giant crush on the woman from that show like the lead woman Bess. Bess, yeah. yeah. Ooh, I do love my neurotic women. Life after Bess. Life after Bess. Alright, so moving on from TV, this is going to be the biggest length length segment of this podcast. So if you don't like new music in terms of albums, probably this is your time to pee. But if you do, stick around. But I, I think your you know, audience, you are tech savvy enough to pause or fast forward if you need to. Or really just delve in and just listen to this segment about albums if you want. You can do anything you want. You're awesome. Go you. <laughs> Who's pandering to who now? I don't know. I, I, I don't know anymore if I'm the panderer or the panderee. Do you like pandas? I like pandas. They're fluffy, they're furry, they're black and white. So, albums? Yeah, albums. Let's go one for one. Uh, I might have like about ten of them, but I don't know. Just give me top ones for the year. Okay. Um, well, this is one that we did discuss before. So, I did have a considerably different list to what I have now. Because um, I wanted to avoid any overlap with your list. So, for me, um, one of the ones, and I actually was talking to you about it last week, um, was St. Vincent. I yep. Sort of like a, a late thing for me. I only sort of got into it in the last month or so. Um, and more specifically, after the episode of um, WTF with Mark Marin that uh, St. Vincent was on. And I sort of like listened to that going, wow, like she's pretty cool. Really want to check out her music. And I'd sort of heard couple of the singles off the record but hadn't really listened to the record as a whole but I just really dug it like it's not like anything I have have heard yeah 
and you know, and I like to think I listen to a wide variety of music. So for me to listen to something that I sort of quite haven't heard before, like, is is a bit of a rarity. Yeah, that's cool. All right, uh, first one on my list is, I mean, this is all in no particular order, but Dream Team by The Greats. Uh, it was nice that after so long, well, a couple of years without hearing anything from The Greats, suddenly they wrote and recorded and released an album in a matter of, like, three, maybe four weeks at the most, and it was at my door with, like, a felt pennant and a badge and that kind of stuff in there. It's a really rough, raw, kind of tight Greats album, almost like um, a little less shiny than their first album, similar songs. So, like, the production quality of their first EP with the songs of their first album is just... It's really solid. Yeah, I haven't heard it. I've heard whatever the the single is. Holiday Home? Yeah. But yeah, I haven't listened to the album yet. All right, what's your next? Um, okay, uh, Weasel. Yeah. Uh, their new record. That's on both our lists, but uh, it's on yours. It's the record everyone's been waiting for. Like, I know it's kind of cliche to say, but it is actually true. Mm. That, you know, their last few records certainly have their own merit and stuff going for them, mm. but this is well in my opinion anyway like by far the best album they've brought out since Maladroit easy what's it called everything will be alright in the end yep. yep yeah I think that it's an excellent album and there's a really great last section of about three songs that are all tied together that are just awesome so tight yeah like when um, Back to the Shack the first single came out I wasn't quite sure what to think and I thought oh this is good I do like it certainly in the right direction but I don't know, is it a bit self-referential and all that? Like, I was a bit worried that the whole album was sort of going to be like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, after listening to the whole record, I was in love. Like, The British Are Coming is probably one of my favourite songs of the year also. Well, uh, my next one is one that you're definitely going to put on your list as well. But, you know, no overlap. Uh, Davey Lane, Eternally Young. It's just such a great record. It's one of those things where, um, you know, Davies put his own name on, on this and I, th- I think that's a statement to the quality of the songs that, you know, he's released this album saying, this this is me and it's just a pastiche of different styles. Yeah. It goes in different places that you kind of don't expect. If you played one song off it to someone and then played them the album, they probably would lose their mind a little bit yeah. at the variety but I think that's what makes Such it a strong. variety. Yeah, but I think that's what makes it a great record. It's yeah. sort of like listening to a compilation record without listening to a compilation record. Yeah, I agree. What's your next? Um, next, uh, and we talked a bit about Infinity Broke before, but yeah. um, Infinity Broke, River Mirrors, uh, it's the first record um, by the band. They're actually recording their second one at the moment. Um, again, it was crowdfunded. It's just, I don't know, for me, amazing. I was a massive Blue Bottle Kiss fan back in the day. And Jamie Hutchings sort of was on a bit of a solo um, situation for the last couple of years, released a couple of really good solo albums. But then to hear him rock out again, especially on some of those like longer numbers that sort of stray and go a bit wild, it's yeah, really enjoyable stuff. Next for me is not a local one. It's uh, American band Pains of Being Pure at Heart. They put out an album called Days of Abandon and... It's sort of each of them. Each of their albums takes a slightly different turn. They started out as more of like a shoegazy type band, but there's an almost like we went to see them at the um, in Sydney, didn't we? Yeah, we did go to see them, yeah. 
this is like there's a song called Kelly on it, which is almost it's Smithsian, you know. It's it sounds like I like the the adjective Smithsian. Yeah, Smithsian. It's it's almost like this charming man just layered with a lot of different synth sounds and harmonies, but it's like simple and pure. It's kind of like an old Pains of Being Pure at Heart song, but it's just it's a great indie pop album. I like it. Yeah, um, yeah, I haven't listened to that record, but like I have enjoyed the band in the past, so I'm sure if I did listen to it, I would like it. Other albums on my list is The Men, Tomorrow Hits. Yeah. Have you listened to that record? I have not. I highly recommend it. It's kind of... I think The Men sort of started out as more of a punk rock type band, and now they're... They're still, they're still definitely got the elements of punk to them, but it's... A, wider variety of, of influences that they're bringing in now it's kind of got like a bit of a bar band almost like E Street Band type sound on some songs and there's um, one of the songs Pearly Gates it sounds like something that could be on Funhouse by the Stooges like it's it's incredible like I really dig it that's awesome um, I love the new Ryan Adams record he's had a fairly prolific year this year and that he's put out a self-titled album it's you know it's very classic rocky like ashes and fire was very acoustic very quiet but this has a lot more electric guitar i think he's using awesome lead single as well like awesome, give yeah. me something good was great great choice and i think it's like i think he's using tom petty's like keys guy as well maybe but it's just got such a classic rock sound in times like 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 tom petty i guess but just it's great ryan adams songs but he's also released like a series of like three track singles uh that have all been really you know stand out just quality like he's releasing them What's that like the rock album like the sort of really like replacements-ish stuff that he brought oh, out yeah okay yeah so he put out one of his singles in the single series was a 10 track single and each of the songs is like one minute 24 or two I, minutes I always find myself singing um, that when summer ends when yeah. summer yeah yeah I think that's the opening track but he, he put out that and it's it's pretty much an album and it's called 1984 and it's very replacementy. So you know what I mean? He's had a really prolific year. So I'm going to count all that Ryan Adams stuff as Ryan Adams 2014. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so the last one on my list um, is Steve Smythe. Smythe. Um, who's actually playing where we are right now in a couple of weeks. Yep. Occasionally there's a big poster for him coming on the screen over there. Yeah. So um, if you haven't gone to see Steve Smythe yet, go and do it before he's massive. Um, the guy's amazing. The album is a great mix. Um there's a bit of a theme coming up here that we like sort of varied artists but he's got an amazing voice soulful can be so, almost like Tom Waits in some sense that yeah, like he can go from sort of that gravelly but then smooth Tom Waits meets like Jeff Buckley yeah totally and it's yeah it's no CD recording or album recording is ever going to capture what it's like to see him but the album comes pretty close Right, um, I've got to babble a little bit longer on albums because there's just a whole lot that I loved. I thought um, we were doing like five, so I could I don't know, I don't I'm know. Sure I'm sure the albums you're about to talk about I have got and yeah. also enjoy. I'm sure you agree. Uh, she Had Five Eye. If you've heard the She Had podcast, you've heard us ramble about Five Eye by She Had, but it's a really, you know, just back to basics, chugging rock record from that New Zealand band, you know.
I, I like I remember last year you saying that um, the Nine Inch Nails song everything sounds like she had yeah and then like this year um, like the title track to that album sort of reminds me of that in some ways like it's yeah I don't know why don't know, but say everything by she had sort of reminds me of something like one will hear the other off beautiful machine but um yeah this is nothing like that this no. is just really tight heavy record it's yeah it's great and it was really good when we went to see them earlier in the year well, sorry uh, last year yeah last year now god sorry i just had to take a burp break oh that's fine the, the ice inside the tube in the middle of the beer tower is slowly melting so it's like down every now and then I, I like that it seems to be some sort of alchemy or yeah um, it's like a yeah. science lab yeah Definitely. I feel like I need like a white jacket with like I don't know some pens and stuff in it alright uh, uh, I don't know 5 eye. Yeah. yeah Um. also a bit closer to home but she had are living in Melbourne these days uh, Nosedive by Sasquatch I thought their first album was great but they're just such an incredible funk band from Melbourne well, funk and soul band with an amazing lead singer, but Nosedive really has the songs, you know. I totally agree. Um, fantastic album. It was going to be on my list, but I uh, passed up on it so that uh, we yeah. could talk about it here. You know that I'm a massive Sasquatch fan. Yeah, well, it was one of those things where, like, I'd sort of heard you talking about them last year and didn't think too much about it. Uh, but then when I got the opportunity to go see them this year, and also when I heard um, Born to Break Your Heart, I was like, wow, this is this is really good and then all the singles off that record are catchy as hell totally and there's this the song performance is amazing there's this song called Keep Me In Mind I think it's right about four it's just so great you know that would be on my absolute top songs of the year but I tried to keep the album ones off it's great Haven's Done by Augie March uh, the first record from them in a long while and there's I'm sure we directly caused that album to come out of course because we did that podcast with uh, Maitland Mercury and Enormity writer Nick Milligan uh, from a rival podcast of course he I don't think it's a rival podcast everything's a rival Milligan everything's competition no we love him um yeah, weren't we talking about the fact that in terms of Australian rock, oh, they're never going to get back together? And then, like, two weeks later, and they announced they're getting back together. Yeah, so you can thank us later for bringing, us the, bringing the world that album. Exactly. But, you know, that's a very varied album. There's lots of rock. There's lots of kind of slower numbers with very Brian Wilson-y influence at times. It's beautiful harmony stuff. Is it, um, is it the original band, or is it just Glenn Richard? Um... No, no, it's the, it's the original guys. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I just wasn't sure. Yeah. I mean, not but... that it matters. I think, like, two of them were playing together during the record and Glenn went up and had to do the rest. Like, he recorded his parts and then took them up to the other guys and they recorded their parts okay. kind of thing. I'm not sure if they recorded it all together. Okay. No, that's fine. They didn't need to record together. Uh, and a couple more. I've been waiting for Washington's second record for a while. Megan Washington's There There is awesome. It's, a, like, it's sort of a moodier record than the first one, I Believe You Liar, but it's just beautiful. I after watching the TED Talk that Megan did this year, um, which was, you know, quite, must have been confronting for her to do, but quite admirable. In which she revealed she had a starter live on stage in front of everyone. Yeah, which I can, can't even imagine what that would be like. But, um, but yeah, like with the first single being Who Are You, and with, I guess, the way the vocals are in that song, it's like, it made me appreciate the song even more. Oh, yeah, definitely, because... It's almost like, who are you, who are you, who are you? I, I can't even say yeah. it, you know, but imagine like, I with a be able to say it without stumbling. Yeah, so, look, the album is incredible. Highlight song for me is Skyline, but it's all great. 
Megan Washington is a standout talent. She's beautiful. Uh, another standout singer-songwriter is Sarah Humphreys. She's a woman from the Central Coast. She's had a couple of albums, uh, last one being a couple of years ago called Hello and an EP of covers called Him. But uh, the album she put out this year is called New Moon. It's produced by Casey Chambers. Takes a slightly more country direction, but her sort of singer-songwritery chops are just... You know, they just shine through no matter what genre she'd be doing. And her voice is one of those... You know how I've said before that I really love sort of very organic voices that seem like, you know, their speaking voice and their singing voice are almost the, like the extension of each other? Yep. That is what she's like. She, I was lucky enough to have her, uh, when working in radio, have her in for an album of the week kind of session and she played a few songs. And just being in the same room as that woman's voice, like that woman's voice and performance is just amazing to hear. You should definitely check out Sarah Humphrey's live if you get the chance, but if you can't, New Moon is definitely worth it. Yep, have not heard it, but we'll definitely go seek that out. Beautiful voice, and uh, finally, also I think it was produced. I don't know if it was, I don't know if Casey Chambers was involved, but it was certainly produced by Nash Chambers at their studio. Singer songwriter, singer songwriter named Harry Hookie. Yep. He was actually uh, yeah, 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 Man on Fire. He was in Telstra Road to Tamworth. Uh, I think David James Garnham, who did our Tim Rogers solo episode from the Gumball Festival, uh, won the songwriting part, and Harry Hookie won the performance section in the same year. So they're good mates. His album came out this year called Misdiagnosed, and it's really beautifully recorded. The acoustic guitars and the mix on the the mix on the band just sound beautiful. And he's got some great songs. Are there any albums that came out this year that you think got an unfair um, response by sort critics? of underrated or? Uh, not necessarily underrated, but an unfair response. Because I, I can think of two. What? Uh, the Pixies. Yeah. Um, they released their you know first record in, what, 15, 20 years almost. And it's Indie Cindy, and it's a quite strong record. Like, I mean, certainly it's not up there with Surfer Rosa or Doolittle, but it's, it's definitely not as bad as what some publications are making out. I think... It's one of those things that becomes cool to hate on bands that reform. Yeah, I think it runs. I think it just runs the risk of being shat on purely because of who's recording it and who's writing it. Yeah, and I don't know. Like I thought that album had some really good songs on it and it definitely deserved a better run than what it got. Yeah. Um, and also Morrissey's. New, New yeah, album. Morrissey's got shat on, and I really enjoyed it. But um, yeah, like I enjoyed it too. I mean, it's I agree. It's not his strongest record, but man, the guy is what in. 35 odd years into his career like what 35 what are you, very odd years like what are you expecting at this point like there's growth there's different sounding stuff than what you would have found on his other albums so I, I, again similar to Indie Cindy I think you've got an unfair run I think you know music critics and uh, you, in general just like any other field there's people who are understanding and empathetic and totally get stages in people's career and there's people who just like to shit on things and just like to you know review things very i don't know in accordance with their own taste which i guess is is you know good because they're in that position but you know they don't see the big picture yeah well i don't know like i, I think sometimes you need to like forget about your own taste but like put things in the context for which they're meant to be received. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, someone's album 35 years in their career is not 
meant to make the same kind of statement as someone's debut album or sophomore album. Like a lot of it's judged on that. And it's like you you can't really say, oh, this is not as good as Meat is Murder or yeah, Strange yeah. Ways Here We Come or whatever. Because How could it be? It's a different beast. Like it's, yeah. And you're a different spot in your life. Yeah. Would you have anything else on your list? Oh, I only had two things on my list uh, that I completely forgot about to put on there. Uh, Blackbird by Dan Sultan. It's his career-defining album. It's uh, honestly so tight, well-recorded. Well. Yeah, it is. It's It's, it's classic rock. Yeah. It's classic rock, like, but it's... In a derogatory way, I mean that in a positive way. Yeah, Kimberly Calling is one of my favourite songs off the record, but it sort of sees him really focused, I think, really consistent and focused across the whole album, and his voice is incredible. Hannah, who's been on a few of our podcasts, Hannah Thompson from the Trash TV episode, most notably, uh, was at the Falls Festival last night, and I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying that she said to me via text that she would definitely have Dan Sultan's babies. <laughs> I think I would have Dan Sultan's babies. Yeah, exactly. Now that he's, uh, oh God, focused, ready to go. Uh, the only other thing, because there's a billion albums I love, but uh, Kate miller Heidke's Oh Vertigo was a really fun album. After Night Flight a couple of years back, or last year, oh God, I don't even know what year it is anymore. Definitely 2015 now. But after Night Flight, which is a, very, a much more serious adult contemporary record, this was really fun. I really liked it. Again, not heard it. That's cool. So, all right, that's our albums. What's next on our list? So we're arriving at the topic now, which is probably closest to our hearts or, or maybe not the closest but uh, it's definitely out there certainly close to our wallets and our, and our hearts and our stomachs and our stomachs gigs 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 duck duck gigs duck duck gigs okay so uh, so let's talk about favourite gigs uh, of 2014 obviously starting with the uh, New Year's Day UMI show yeah, what a way to welcome in the year. Um, if only we could be there right now. If only we could do that again. I really liked the book ending of 2014 for me. It started off with UMI at Vic Park, and it ended with UMI live electrified DVD. So I, I like that UMI sort of brought in the year and closed the year for me. Yeah, that was a sweet box set they released, by the way. Limited edition uh, documentation of their hourly daily double shows from 2013 and there was like a dvd and all the records and a download card and um like a, a vinyl slip mat and a t-shirt transfer a t-shirt transfer not transformer live electrified is awesome it's like there's a limited 1000 print run of um a big box featuring the documentation of the 2013 Alley Daily Double shows with uh, records and the DVD and a download card and like a vinyl slip mat and a book and a t-shirt transfer and pics and all manner of things. It's very good. So on my list of gigs this year, and we did speak about it a bit in an early episode, but the Gumball... Um, was definitely one of the best festivals I have ever been to, yeah. despite the fact that um, I drove us out there, we arrived, and then I realised that I didn't bring a sleeping bag, I didn't bring a chair, I didn't bring anything to sleep on, and I was, I guess it's fair to say I was ill-prepared. We got there, though. We got through it and enjoyed it so much, and it really, in the long run, didn't matter. But yeah, there was just so many great bands playing that day. It was a fantastic atmosphere. Um, highlights. For you. We recorded a cool podcast with Dave Garner, but... We sure did. 
Hudegurus were a highlight for that. And I really liked Dyson Stringer Glower, and I really liked... Uh, Adelita. Adelita. And I enjoyed Tropical Zombie. I enjoyed Steve Smythe. Um, oh, The Lairs, the um, local jazzy funk band with the song about potato chips. You were very excited about that potato chip song. Potato chips. Da, 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 potato chips. I think I was hungry at the time, so... So it was just like an advertisement for you. You're like, yeah. hey, I need some potato chips. If they had been selling potato chips, I would have been buying. Maybe they need like potato chips merch. Maybe they do. Like real potato chips. Okay. What else you got? Uh, what have I got? Um, around that time, early in the year, after we saw UMI at the Vic on the Park, uh, I went to the Sydney Festival and saw Amanda Palmer and a New Zealand song- songwriter named Aradno in a space of a couple of days and saw a bunch of shows and stuff all down there. It was very, very cool. As an experience, the Sydney Festival this year was heaps of fun because they had like a giant bouncy Stonehenge and a giant inflatable duck on Parramatta River and it was just really cool. Did they get the scaling right for Stonehenge? Yeah, yes and no. Yeah, pretty much. It was around the sc- like s- scale size of a Stonehenge. Okay, so it wasn't like Spinal Tap. No, it was a large, full-size, bouncy, inflatable Stonehenge. But um, then around that month, I went to the Big Day Out, which I completely forgot about, as you do by the end of the year. The 2014 Big Day Out was around, you know, January 25th-ish. Big Day Out this year was alright. I think Pearl Jam headlined and Arcade Fire. Blur pulled out, which is just breaking my heart because that was the reason I went. But there was a whole bunch of good bands. It was a good day. Did you go see BDI? I did go see BDI, and that was pretty cool. Um, well, they've since broken up. They have so. since broken up, so that was a rare opportunity. And I went with Hannah and Nick, both from previous episodes. Uh, on my list, and we've already spoken about Davy Lane's fantastic solo album, which came out this year, but the gig that he did at the Cambridge was amazing. Both you and I and Nick Milligan did pester Davy for quite a while after the show. Sorry, Davy, there was a few beers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's much else that I can say um, about the songs themselves. I think we sort of covered it before. But, yeah, it was just great to see them play live. And it was a total... Uh, it was definitely a one-up on the show that we saw him and the band play last year. Oh, oh sorry, yeah. the year before now, in oh, 2013, um, around the time of the EP launch. Um, yeah, not that that was a bad show by any means, but... Uh, this gig totally eclipsed it. Next on my list is Washington at Oxford Art Factory, just after There There was released, and um, also Washington, I'm pretty sure it was this year, well, last year as well, um, at the Vanguard in Sydney. Two very different shows, one, two very different sizes, but both amazing. But the show at the Oxford Art Factory was just so incredibly tight. Her band really had just, you know, honed in on the songs from the album. Her voice was in perfect condition. The light show was awesome. It was just great. What about you? Um, okay, uh, double headliner, Melody Pool and Marlon Williams at Lazotte's in Newcastle. Just two beautiful voices, back-to-back. There's not much more you could ask for. Mm, lovely, local, awesome. You might have heard the Hanson episode with Charlie and Emma. We shortly thereafter went to see Hanson at Enmore Theatre. I'd seen them like three times the last tour they had a couple of years back as well. But this was a great show. They're just an incredibly great live band. You might get me to go at one point in the future. They're really fun and they're really great. Harmony's great. Full drums, piano type band. I did try to listen to some of the new stuff, um, like off their most recent record, mm-hmm. but I didn't quite get into it. That's okay. 
not for everybody. Yeah. What's your next gig? Uh, next gig for me is Sasquatch. Sasquatch. After you spent 2013 saying how awesome they were and I didn't really give them a go. After hearing the single, getting the album, I'm like, right, I need to go to this show. This is going to be amazing. And I was not disappointed. It was an amazing gig. Everyone was having fun. I mean, I guess as a result of going to a lot of rock gigs, it's maybe cathartic and, um, I don't know, exuberant in some ways, but it's not always fun in that sense. But it was just like a party. Everyone was having the best time. I really enjoyed it. Oh, it was. And that band is just a nine-piece powerhouse. And Nakashi, the singer, is just beautiful. And I don't know how she gets that voice. You know, it's so powerful at full. But yeah, that was such a great gig. And um, my French exchange student friend, Aurora, uh, it was in town for that. And she was here. Uh, we only really got to know her for the last, you know few months she was in town she was in town for a long time before that but she made a huge impact on me I thought she was wonderful and she came to Sasquatch and she was so enthusiastic about it and so fun and it was great I'm glad she got to see them I took my niece to see her first Amber gig which is very fitting for gigs and uh, her birthday present this year was going to see Katy Perry live at the uh, Old Phones Arena and we went and stayed in Sydney for the night and um, she was very excited she got all dressed up and got her hair done and well nothing cutesy did her hair but you know it was all in colours and curls and she was very happy and um, I was the proud uncle and got to take her and she was just you know spellbound she just the jaw was on the floor she was laughing for the first couple of seconds of raw because a couple of minutes of raw because it was just that loud and bright and fireworks and colors and you know i think just it was a beatles-esque experience for her fun it was really 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 good gig and that's not the first time you've gone to see katie perry is it oh no i've seen katie perry on each of the previous two tours she'd made first time at the enmore theater second time at the sydney entertainment center third time at all Fans arena okay so last on my list i think is uh the magpie diaries uh who went to see at the junkyard who are they um they're a local band uh and i went to see them the day after my wedding great fun times again totally recommend it uh we went to see the white album concert this year again for the second time uh, we did a podcast on the way down and back from that uh that was tim rogers chris cheney phil jameson and josh pike doing the beatles white album from front to back
again, something that was knocked off my list in favour of yours. We well documented um, our love of the White Album earlier on. We did. Um, I went down to the news agency, a very small venue in Marrickville, to see Justin Hazelwood, a.k.a. the Bedroom Philosopher, do his Fun Employed show. He released a book, an EP this year, on sort of life as an artist in Australia, how to make it financially viable and how to deal with it when it's not. And it was... You know, you went in and sat on like little, you know, those little plastic primary school chairs that are way too small for an adult bum. It was great, um, and he like uh, he had a giant onion on stage, and he dressed as a cat, and he read, he got his uncle to play a song, and he went through different readings and chapters of the book. And I really like what Justin Hazelwood does. I, I enjoy that he is just scathingly honest at the moment, and it's a good thing to be. Yeah. A lot of people see his work as, uh, you know, a downer because it is honest or truthful or, you know, I just don't think a lot of people are ready for some real emotion and some raw emotion sometimes. Actually, I just realised that I uh, skipped one of the ones on my list, which was uh, the Nine Inch Nails and Queens of the Stone Age double bill that we went to see earlier on in the year. They came to Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle does get its fair share of local acts. As far as big names like that, it's few and far between, really. So, yeah, it was quite cool to, to go see both Nine Channels and Queens of the Stone Age, what, within five minutes of where we live. That was pretty cool. Usually those sort of big names are reserved for your Hope Estate-type situations. And Brody Dali from uh, The Distillers and also of, you know, Josh right. Tom's Marriage. Um, and Spinnerette, yeah, played uh, and played tracks from her new record, which is awesome, by the way. Meet the Fetus almost made it onto my uh, top five songs list. Oh, I don't know why that album didn't make it to my list, but it's I love that album, the new Brady Daly record. I have a few more on my list if you'd like them. Yeah, well, I'm going to jump in and steal one of mine back. Go for it. So Take it. Take it and run. Tim Rogers. Yep. The Night Before I Got Married. Yep. Out at Dungog. Yep. Uh, both Moose and I and my dad and my uncle. We uh, made the trek out there to watch Tim play to what can only be described as a disinterested, rude, belligerent audience. Um, but being the true gentleman that he is, got through it. I find it, you know, hard to be so negative about a crowd and really say, you know, belligerence. But, you know, when someone's playing at the bottom of a muddy hill and you're all lined up around the muddy hill and you're going and asking him questions, making requests and yelling heckle, more heckling while he's playing songs and trying to have a conversation with him while he's playing songs like he's not actually there and playing for you is just so disrespectful yeah it's just downright fucking rude it's awful but then I mean, he played a, he played a great gig and he played some really cool songs and I really enjoyed it I always enjoy seeing Tim I've very ever rarely seen him play a bad gig you know like I think it was probably a bit of a downer after the night before at the junkyard when he played there. Like, I can only imagine for him he went from one extreme to the other. Mm. Like, a small room of people that were very into it to a large outdoor setting in a muddy paddock where yeah. people weren't interested at all. Yeah, unfortunately, the Megan Washington gig at the Oxford Art Factory I mentioned was on the same night as the first Tim Rogers gig, so I went to the second. But, you know, it's just... Oh. Dude. Well, I missed out on the um, the show at the junkyard for different reasons. Um, Mrs. Pointy did try and get me tickets because they went on sale the day of my buck show, so I couldn't go, but she missed out on them. Yeah. It was disappointing. 
But also, we saw Tim Rogers a couple of times earlier in the year on his solo tour. Uh, he, we saw him play in Gosford, was it? Um, yeah, King Cumber. Yeah, Lazots. Yeah. yeah, stayed at that awesome little crazy pub where we just went and ran a mark at like one a.m. It was an old timey hotel. We didn't, you know, it had like run, a tea room. Yeah, you know, we didn't destroy anything, but we just found it odd that there was a fully accessible, you know, reading room, a so. reading room, a writing room, a tea room, you know, and just like everything was fully set up, like nobody had touched it for the last hundred years. But then we saw a couple of nights later Tim play at uh, Lazotte in Newcastle for your birthday. So it was the second gig. Yeah. That was yeah. a bit of a bit of a call out to me for my thirtieth, which yeah, was lovely. Was, that was lovely. Other gigs, uh, singer songwriter wise, Darren Hanlon's annual Christmas show, I went down to with Nothing Cutesy, and it was awesome. And we sat in the front row, and he played lots of songs. And I can't wait for the new album, which comes out in March next year, because it's gonna be excellent. Oh, here's one we both went to, but on completely different nights. Rolling Stones. <laughs> I took Nothing Cutesy's dad, which I found out later was his first ever rock gig, to see the Rolling Stones at uh, All Phones Arena, because at that point, before they rescheduled the tour, because um, Mick Jagger's partner had, you know, unfortunately passed away, they had to reschedule the tour, and they announced a Hunter Valley show, so I didn't get to go to that one, but uh, it was an awesome All Fans Arena gig. As far as All Fans Arena gigs go, it's just like a big basketball stadium, but, you know, it was really fun. And I had a, yeah, I guess a different experience. It was out at Hope Estate in the Hunter Valley, and I decided to go about five hours before the gig started. Just sort of said to Mrs. Pointy, hey, I don't think... I cannot be there because I'd been spinning um, a couple of records in the morning. I'd been listening to Exile on Main Street and Let It Bleed. And I was like, I, I need to be there. Like, I can't not be there. So we uh, drove out there, booked some accommodation, and it was amazing. Mm, it was. And they had Mick Taylor playing with them as well, uh, especially on Midnight Rambler, which is amazing. It was kind of odd they didn't really introduce him. Yeah, they didn't. They just kind of got him to plug in, but it's sort of like, if you know who he is, you know. Yeah, I just found it odd that, like, uh, yeah, like, obviously I knew who it was and, like, got the connection, but it would have been nice to acknowledge the rest of the crowd that, hey, this is Mick Taylor and this is what he played on and that's why he's here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little bit odd. Yeah, it would be, you know, nice to acknowledge him a bit more, but I still really enjoyed seeing and hearing him. The only other two gigs that I can really think of was seeing Ben Folds play with the Sydney Symphony two days after we saw the Stones. I took nothing cutesy. We went to both gigs because I'd gotten, um, I could only get the cheap seats for the Friday night and then I was like, oh, screw it. We'll go to the Saturday night as well. And um, it was awesome. Pretty much the same set list for both nights except for like one or two songs, but it was just awesome, you know, hearing the sound of a full symphony playing songs by Ben Folds that you love while he fronts them on piano. The only other standout that I can remember right now is going to Groove in the Moo this year, and it wasn't really a standout because of the lineup or the artists or the experience. I just went with my cousin Gillian, and I have rarely been to gigs with her over the years, if not, you know, ever, only a couple of times, I'm sure. 
but uh, we went together and we went with uh, Hannah as well from previous episodes and it was just really fun hanging out with those guys all day and getting stuck in the mud and I can't quite remember a standout performance from the day but it was just nice to hang out with those guys I don't even remember who played no I think Vance Joy was there and Dizzy Rascal was there the Jezebels were there Andy Bull was there no one hugely stand out for me but it was the experience. Let's start winding this down, and let's maybe just get into, and let's maybe just get into other things or events that happened this year. Your wedding. What about it? I went to it. You sure did. So did, did I. Go? Did you go? I did turn up, you and turn I up? had a splendid time. Splendid time, and now you're married. I am, and so yeah. So I guess for me this year couple of big events so obviously as we just mentioned I got married which was one of the best days of my life um, had a pretty awesome honeymoon in the states so again very nice and, um, and then more recently I've found out that I am going to be a dad in well this year so that's exciting Yay. news that's very exciting and and uh, just thought I'd share um, the Moose's reaction to me saying that I was going to be a dad. Well, what I do? We uh, I arrived back in the country and met up with him a couple of days later, and we sort of went for a walk from uh, from Nobby's Beach to Merriweather. And I and I it's a fair walk, yeah. And I mentioned it to, to Moose, and his response was punching me in the arm a couple of times. I was excited. That's what I do when I'm excited. Just more people so yeah so there's I guess top three um, but also I did very enjoy the fact that we started this podcast yeah that's been a massive thing this year um, a lot of beer has been drunk a lot of pods have been cast a lot of people have been our what's the contestants is not the right word guests yes yeah yeah content no no people aren't content people are not content but no, seriously, um, both Moose and I, I'm, I'm sure he won't mind me speaking for him, um, but I'm sure he can speak for himself in a moment. Oh, can I? I don't know anymore. But like, we've just had an awesome time doing this um, over the last, what, seven or eight months. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to get into it this year even more. More guests planned. I think we wrote a list of about 100 prospective people we'd like to have on the podcast. All within the realm of possibility. Yeah. Oh God, if you were talking about without, outside the realms of possibility, we'd have a big list. So, yeah, we're very excited for, for what this year brings. And also, um, I guess I just really just want to thank everyone that has came on the show yeah. um, in 2014. Legends. And there'll be... I mean, there's a couple of holdovers, some people who have appeared in 2014 that will get their airing in in January 2015. But uh, everyone who's been on it in general, thanks. And everyone who listens to it and contributes to those, um, to those conversations, thank you. I'd like to point out as well, though, that part of the reason I'm getting a little bit slow towards the end of this podcast is we've just finished the beer tower we've probably got about a half a schooner each left but the beer tower is empty itself as we mentioned before it's an occupational hazard and a big lunch in the middle okay let's uh jump off this tower oh juggingtons (laughs) yeah no thank you guys if you want to find us you know the usual places uh, just go to splittingcases.com and find it all uh, we look forward to 2015. All the future guests will have keep listing because there'll be some cracker stuff. And uh, if you want to be on the show and you're in the Newcastle, Sydney or Melbourne areas, please let us know. We can make that happen. 
just let us know what you want to talk about and we will organize a time and a place. You pick the topic, we pick the case. Splitting cases, best of 2014. Split.